to Trek Companion. This is episode 173. I'm your host, Brian Williams. I am Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we are discussing the original series, third season episodes, Plato's Stepchildren, Wink of an Eye, and The Empath. Here we go. Plato's Stepchildren, Season 3, Episode 10, Production Code 067, Original Air Date, November 22, 1968, Directed by David Alexander, Written by Meyer Dolinsky, Music Composed by Alexander Courage, Guest Cast Include Michael Dunn as Alexander, Barbara Babcock as Felena, Liam Sullivan as Parman, Ted Scott as Heraclitus, Derek Partridge as Dionid, and William Blackburn as Lieutenant Hadley. <laughs> Kirk, along with Spock and Dr. McCoy, beam down to a planet to investigate a distress call. Once there, they are greeted by Alexander, who leads the landing party to meet the rest of his people, who have adopted classical Greek culture and named themselves Platonians, in honor of the Greek philosopher Plato. All the Platonians, except for Alexander, seem to possess telekinetic powers. They explain they lured the Enterprise to their planet because their leader, Parman, requires medical attention. Time, I thought it was me, my mind that couldn't even move a pebble. They even told me I was lucky they bothered to keep me around at all, and I believed them. The arms and legs of everybody's whim. Look down, don't meet their eyes, smile, smile. These great people, they were gods to me. But you showed me what they really are. And now I, I know, don't you see, it's, it's not me. It's not my size, it's them. It's them. I don't know what's funnier. I I wrote in my notes here Kirk protests and slaps himself. Hmm. And I don't know if it's funnier that I wrote that or that I feel like I've written that before. (laughs) (laughs) Uh Adam, kick us off on Plato's stepchildren. Plato's stepchildren. Um this episode to me is is very memorable um, because it has some of the most outrageous moments I think that in in in, in the original series, just um, from the standpoint you know these Platonians make Kirk and Spock um, do these do these insane things. I mean it's it's uh, I I still to this day laugh out loud. Um, at some of the moments, um, and I feel bad about it because it's kind of it's very degrading. In, it, in wait, it, is it, do you think it's supposed to be funny? No, I don't think it's supposed to be funny, but it's um, it's I don't know really what they were trying to do. I mean, they're it's just it's out, they're outrageous moments. And um, I'll give credit to um, to William Shatner and um, Leonard Nimoy. I mean, they went all out. I mean, I don't know if they read the script and were like, eh, but. Uh, Shatner went all out on this. I mean, he didn't hold back at all. I mean, you know, his movements, his facial expressions. I mean, he just completely went for it in this episode. It's so, it's what I say. Like there are a lot of outrageous scenes. I don't know if they were meant to be funny. Maybe I would assume they were just meant to be outrageous. Um, it's not really the, the look and the, the performance you, you expect for somebody that thinks people are still going to be watching it in 50 years. Right. <laughs> I think it's more like, fine, this show's getting canceled. Let's do it. Yeah, let's go out. I mean, and and to add to that, I mean, you know, Spock's, you know, Nimoy. I mean, his moments of just going through the that emotional barrage. I mean, they're. I mean, to me, they're they're great to watch just because the performances that yeah. Kirk and Nimoy give in this episode are great. Even though the episode is suspect, their performances are great in this. I mean, even. Even the scene with Spock after, you know, they went back to the room and it's him, Kirk, Kabak, and McCoy. And, you know, um, um, Spock is just kind of reflecting on what he, what, everything that he went, went through, you know, just being flooded with all these emotions and everything. You know, it's a very poignant scene. And then it, it's so a lot of this episode to me is very up and down because, you, you know, you have those very dramatic scenes with Spock explaining, you know, how these emotions have flooded him and affected him. And then you kind of go back to outrageous um, um, so to me, this episode is kind of a roller coaster ride. Obviously, there's a you know it's it's got historical merit because um, Kirk and um, Ahura have to kiss and you know they're forced to kiss in this episode. You know that was the first interracial kiss on television. So there's some historical significance to this episode. Um, 
I th- at the end of the day, I, I would say I like this episode. I don't know if it's good or not. We'll get into that more. But, I mean, I have to kind of say it's... I would have to say I liked it because I, I enjoyed the performances that I saw in this episode. I thought they were, were very good with, you know, maybe suspect, you know, writing and everything else that's kind of flawed about this episode. Yeah, I think my, my problems with this episode are... are, are are writing, but I have a feeling that some of this is budget constraints. Like, I think that the scenes in this episode just go on forever. They go on way too long, and, there's, and it feels like there's only, like, a couple of rooms that the entire episode takes place in, you know? And so it's... I've talked about this before. Like, there's a screenwriting rule about you never stay in the same spot for more than ten minutes. It just feels like every single scene like the ones you're talking about where they do all their their nutty tweedledee and tweedledum nonsense and stuff Th- those scenes go on forever and ever i think if i think if this entire episode was half the length it could be the same exact episode but then that just would make it better <laughs> you know but i agree with you there's definitely some acting courage uh for the most part i never feel like okay that's too far with the exception of alexander riding kirk course <laughs> mm. that that one moment is like nope that's jumping some kind of shark or something I, that's too much for me it's it's cringeworthy yet laughable at the same time it's but i'm positive that it wasn't supposed to be fun i, I shouldn't <laughs> yeah. say positive i f- i feel 90 percent certain that that was not supposed to actually be laughed at yeah but it's, it's so ridiculous i don't know how you couldn't maybe you know maybe it looks different on paper than it does when it's on but yeah i mean it's so ridiculous it's like look at it this way if if this was the only episode of star trek somebody ever saw what would they think it means <laughs> what yeah. would they think star trek is you know but you're right it does have it has some certainly memorable moments and we'll we'll get into that uh steve some of your first thoughts here play the step children yeah, so um, I think I, generally speaking, agree with everything that's been said. I think on this this episode, first and foremost, I remember it being the historical significance of the first interracial kiss and all of this stuff on network television. Everyone knows that. I um, After that, I remember all the ridiculous moments and um, how it's laughable and not supposed to be and seems kind of like that, you know, like acting class where everyone just kind of goes goofy and stuff, kind of like that iMud episode, you know, where they're dancing around and carrying on and stuff, too. It's To me, it's a similar kind of deal. And then uh, after that, I remember it just kind of drags on and on and on. I mean, one thing I think I would say is that kind of, uh, since the last time I watched this, it's probably been five, six years ago or something like that, um, you know, our, our culture, one thing that's changed a lot is the whole, that, that there's a, a lot uh, more negative um feedback to anything that resembles bullying and so I think one of the things that sticks out a lot more are people with power taking advantage of people without power and how despicable it is and somehow that's that's become more pervasive in our culture I think over time and so that's that makes it um that makes what they're doing even worse in a way the uh the plutonians um also I'd say it it kind of wraps fast and you don't even know okay so what what happened to them is there yeah. nothing what so what a, so what is what it feels kind of like at the end and anyway it's like they just kind of left left, left yeah. a warning buoy stay away from this planet and... right right you guys have seen that um like the b-roll you know famously for the interracial kiss they they insist the producers i should say producers but it's not like the actual producers more like the suits from the network you know <laughs> mm-hmm. insist, insisted they film it both with and without the kiss mm-hmm. and you, you know when they did this the shots where they don't kiss Shatner <laughs> did his cross-eyed yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah it's pretty funny yeah it, it that that first generational kiss it has that historical factor you know it's it's easy to forget that it's this episode that it takes place in with all this craziness but you know i've seen documentaries on the history of television and the only time they mention Star Trek is <laughs> yeah. that kiss, right? Uh, but they show it and always and forever that kiss is the first. I guess it's something that especially, I know we have a lot of young people that listen to our podcast. It it almost probably seems silly that this was a big deal, but you know, there, there, were, there were networks in like the South that refused to play this episode. Mm-hmm. It was crazy and it was a very big deal 
you know, we're a little bit older, but we're not that old, uh, the three of us. So, you know, we grew up and saw the tail end of some of these things. But I can say, you know, I know there were the generation ahead of me uh, in my own family that <laughs> had a big problem uh, with this, uh, like my own father. So it might sound silly, but it's it was a big deal. Did they know they were done? By this, this is what episode nine or ten, something like that. Probably not officially. No. Not officially, but it seemed pretty clear. You know, remember the third season? They got moved yeah. in the terrible time slot. They yeah. they slashed their budget massively. So I I think the writing. The writing. Was, was, I got you. The writing. Yeah, was it was it was pretty time. pretty clear. But yes, it wasn't official yet. There was a who's that guy for the Spock purse for Spock dancing around Kirk. Why did that need to be a who's that guy? I didn't understand that. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't it wasn't uh, it wasn't like expert dance moves either. It wasn't <laughs> like it was like, I don't know. I was bringing the stunt double. I mean, well, I, for either it's really great dance moves or he's that in coordinated step on his head. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> they're, they're afraid of something there. Why risk it? And and the stunt guys are just trained to like be able to dance and not step on somebody's head laying oh, yeah. on the ground. That's Where's probably, the special skill here? That's probably dancing one on one. There, you know, don't step on the head. <laughs> Welcome to the second day of stuntman <laughs> class today. <laughs> so obviously, in the episode, you know, they treat Alexander terribly because you know he's he's a dwarf and. He doesn't have the powers. I mean, does that? Hold, I mean, is that offensive to the, today's standard or not? I was wondering. I, I just had that if uh, as a question mark if this went too far. Well, I was kind of thinking maybe. I'm not sure. I wonder if this is. It. And then when he started riding the Kirk horse, I was like, yeah, probably. probably. <laughs> yeah, that one. <one's> <laughs> I'd be. I think I'd be offended. Yeah. I mean, they try. They try, right? I mean, they try to blow it off like. What? No, I'm talking about you not having the power, not that you're small, you know, and this kind of thing, which that's commendable, and I'm glad they do it. But yeah, it does get that could that definitely could be offensive, I would think. It skirts the yeah the yeah the horse riding is is very offensive. Would I would assume. But he does, you know, choose, and that actor is pretty good, by the way. I think he does a mm-hmm. good job. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like that his character doesn't want to have the power. Yeah, that choice. Uh, kind of a rare, unusual ending for Star Trek, even if we don't really see it. I would have liked to have seen it, but that he apparently goes with the away team to the Enterprise. I guess they drop him off someplace far away. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, but for them to leave with the Enterprise, how many Star Trek episodes can you think of that ended that way, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I don't think you'll see Peter Dinkle ride anybody in Game of Thrones. Yeah, probably not so much. Peter Dinklage. Did I say his name? I forget. Um... What is this episode about, Steve? You were kind of getting at that. Yeah, I think it's the um, the the notion of people with power um, taking advantage of those without, and how that's never right, but it almost always happens. You know, in some way, shape, or form, it it's almost um, unusual to have people with power not take advantage of people without power, and uh, it's a sad state of affairs. But it is that's that's the that's what it is, you know, and, and I mean, this is science fiction and people with telekinesis and all that kind of thing, but we certainly see plenty of examples of um, people, those with, taking advantage of those without in our own society and how despicable that is and how we're always fighting against them. Adam? I would concur, yeah, I was, I was kind of agreeing with Steve earlier in the in the show. Yeah, it's definitely about, you know, they hinted that, that these Platonians were benign and peaceful people at once. So, I mean, you could even use the, you know, absolute power corrupts absolutely. I mean, you know, kind of saying that, you know, yeah, I kind of agree with Steve. All right. And is this a good episode or no? It does sound like we're saying it has something to say, which, you know, for our show usually means it holds up. It's memorable for sure. I don't know if we could say. I don't know if I would say it's a good episode. But is it memorable it, for reasons other than the interracial kiss? Yeah, I mean, yeah, the performance. Ridiculous scenes. Ridiculous <laughs> scenes. I mean, I think the performances are are good with what they had to work with. Um, like I said, I don't know if I would say it's a good episode, but it, uh, let me put it this way: it's one I would watch again 
if it like you know came up yeah i think it's probably above average for a third season episode um and it's it's kind of unfortunate the absurdities and how long it drags on because it, i think it does have something to say um and it's got historical significance certainly but yeah there's a lot of nonsense to balance that out too so yeah all right Let's do six degrees for Plato's stepchildren. Adam, are you going first or second? I guess I'll go first. Barbara Babcock plays Philana, the woman that's grateful that the away team can save her husband so that he can kill them. (laughs) Uh, She played the voice of the Beta 5 computer in the final episode of the second season. Name it. The episode? Um... Mm -hmm. I would rather watch Plato's stepchildren again than this episode. Is that Assignment Earth? You are correct. Assignment Earth. Steve, she also played Mia 3 in the first season in the episode where the computer ran the war. Mm. Name that one. Uh, right, right, right. Um... Yeah, because Assignment Earth left a bad taste in my mouth in a way that Plato's stepchildren did not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, gosh. I gave you a hint. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's not coming to me. Adam? Um, I don't know either. Taste of Armageddon. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. All right. Adam has one. Moving on. Wink of an Eye, Season 3, Episode 11, Production Code 068. Original air date, November 29th, 1968. Directed by Judd Taylor. Story by Lee Cronin. Teleplay by Arthur Heineman. Music composed by Alexander Courage. Guest cast include Kathy Brown as Dila, Eric Holland as Ekor, Jason Evers as Ryle, Jeffrey Benny as Compton, Richard Geary as Scalosian, William Blackburn as Lieutenant Hadley, and Roger Holloway as Lieutenant Limley. <laughs> Following another distress call, the Enterprise arrives at planet Scalos. An away party beams into an advanced metropolis but can find no signs of life except for an odd constant insect-like buzzing around them from no apparent source. Suddenly, crewman Compton disappears in front of everyone's eyes and Kirk orders the away team back to the Enterprise for safety. Back aboard, the ship begins to experience strange malfunctions, and engineering engineering reports the sudden appearance of an unknown device attached to the ship's life support systems. You're the enemy? Yes. You beamed me aboard yourself when you came up. Ridiculously long process, but I've taken care of it. What have you done with my men? Nothing. Nothing? Spock? This is nothing? There's really nothing wrong with them. They are just as they have always been. It's you who are different. I don't know if I wrote this down wrong or if I wrote it down right. The last quote I have, so it must have happened at the end of the episode, maybe is Kirk's saying goodbye to the woman. I I wrote down that he said, I can think of nobody I'd rather do. Hmm. Yeah, I believe that's what he said. Okay. Uh, Steve, you want to kick us off on Wink of an Eye? Okay, yeah. Um, so, I kind of like how this is a mystery at first, but then it this drags on like just about no other episode in terms of how it just the pacing is so poor. Um, I, I mean, it's certainly memorable because of the whole fast speed things, you know, the fast aliens and all this business, but... It doesn't make any sense if you think about it at all. The way they handle this and the you know the timing of things and stuff doesn't make any sense at all. And um, so overall, overall, I think this is kind of it's kind of bad to be honest with you because I don't think it really has much to say and the pacing is so poor and it feels like it just goes on and on and on and on and on. There's a gem of a cool idea in here. Yeah. But yeah, if you think about what's really happening, basically everybody on the ship shouldn't even move if they're moving that fast, like. The second Kirk goes into that state, we almost shouldn't see people moving at all, really, right? Right. The whole rest of the episode, maybe they'd move a tiny, tiny bit, but there's there's a there's a break in the logic. Yeah, I wasn't sure. Or or Scotty says, "I'm gonna," you know, Scott Scott go down to the transporter, and then the next shot, he's like half frozen through the door. 
it's like, well, how did he even get down there that far? <laughs> right, it would have taken weeks or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it wasn't even congruent. I mean, you know, it didn't even matter. Because, like, when he first went into hyperspeed, um, you can see Spock moving slowly, and then... And then they look frozen, Spock, yeah. Then they look frozen, so they weren't even sure what they how they wanted to do it, so... But I, I do think it's a it's a really cool idea. I just think that yeah, it's got these problems with the way they realized it, and maybe realizing it the right way, it would be too boring, you know. So maybe just the whole thing doesn't work. But it's it's a neat it's a neat idea. It's neat that they tried to do some things like the Dutch angles for when Kirk is going into the whatever hyperspeed thing, and you know the combination of slow-mo film and you know or high-speed yeah, film whatever yeah. uh, there's some neat stuff in there but it's just one of those things where you put those pieces together and step back and look at it and you're like well wait a minute I don't know here um, Adam your your instinct on wink of an eye wink of an eye there's probably not much more I can add I thought you know the fact that this episode um, was right after Plato's Stepchildren didn't help it because it's kind of a you know a similar prop plot set up you know distress call beamed out of a planet it's you know kind of starts off the same way as, as Plato's stepchildren. Uh, but this is don't forget historical first here. This is the first time two white people have had sex that are in hyperspeed mode. <laughs> <laughs> Was that on your um, television history documentary? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, it drags on forever. I mean, you know, I do like. Some of this, I mean, you know, it's, I, I don't hate this episode, but it, yeah, I agree. It kind of drags on at times. I kind of, I think I actually caught myself looking at my phone, <laughs> flipping through social media while I was watching this episode because it just kind of, not. it just seems like there's not much going on. Um, this episode did make, you know, you were talking about, you know, they had a nice gem of an idea. I think they improved upon this in um, Next Generation. What is the episode where Jordy and, and, um, Picard, you know, they're, you know, they have to, they're kind of in a faster mode. And one yeah. the, um, I just remember Picard, um, you know, making a smiley face on a cloud. Mm-hmm. So they did, they kind of went back to this idea. I don't know if this was an inspiration for that, but I mean, that, that idea played out a lot better in next gen when, I mean, that was a far, far better episode, um, top to bottom, but it kind of made me think of, you know, this, it's kind of the same concept. Scenes, talking about scenes that make you think of something else. <laughs> uh, Kirk uses a pillow as a weapon. <laughs> Do you guys remember this? There's a scene in, I think it's the first Naked Gun. It might be the second one. <laughs> like, like the bad guy like throws a pillow at Leslie Nielsen, Frank Drebin, and he's just like holding it into his face and going, oh! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I love those movies. Um, You know, I mentioned jokingly the sex scene, but actually... This might be the the flat out clearest, yeah, you know, the Star Trek, oh, you know, the morning after kind of mm-hmm. way of showing sex and all, but especially in the original series where they had all these network rules and things. I wonder if this isn't the the most explicit we've ever seen, where if these two people just had sex. Kirk's like pulling up his boots. Yeah. She's over at the mirror brushing her hair. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm right. not sure we've ever seen something more clear. Mm-hmm. The sheet should have been ripped off the bed. That's the only thing that made it more clear. I mean, it's kind of dangerous, you know. I mean, they have that cell damage or whatever, and they did. Dead. Think, yeah, yeah, this had to have been completely scratchless sex, correct? Right, right, right. Yeah, gotta be really, really, really careful. She had to put the latex on her hands, so she right. was. Yeah, maybe she wore gloves. <laughs> latex gloves. Socks. <laughs> yeah. You know, if they, you know, no biting. I'm surprised if they didn't want to, like, uh, you know, just because no one could see him, if they didn't want to be obnoxious and just, like, find somebody standing in the hallway and just right in front of him, you know, because who's seeing him? You know, it's like, uh... (laughs) (laughs) What does it say about Steve that he thought of that? (laughs) (laughs) It's probably the only episode where Spock drinks the water and says, Fascinating. (laughs) <laughs> I actually really like the moment kind of near the end when Kirk is coming to destroy the machine and Spock has hyper sped himself and they see each other 
in in yeah, yeah yeah they don't have to say anything kirk knows up oh, spock's he spock yeah. whatever he's with me we're we're together spock sees him and like oh he's going to t- take out the machine or something important i'm with him we're going to do this together right, you know, right. that is I a cool like little that. moment yeah um that's that's uh that kind of moment is how i think of the movies the way they're in tune with each other so much mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and that's something i love in the films the features did you guys remember this one? Like, yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah, it's some. Um... So there's something memorable about it. Yeah, the mystery parts. What's the memorable part here? What makes this? Is is it just that 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 gimmick of the hyperspeed people? I think so. Yeah, it's just that the hyperspeed thing. Yeah, I remember. I I remember like you know you could die but with a cut to just a scratch. I remember that scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, once they did it, I remember that aspect of it. Uh, yeah, I certainly remember from the get-go because you see all those people. And it's like, oh yeah, it's them and that woman, and they do the whole fast bit and all that. Yeah. Well, you know, there's almost a an internal logic there that that makes sense. You know, I think that like Compton, the red shirt, he should have appeared in the regular time, not hypersped time. Like once he died and super aged, mm-hmm. he should have popped out of hyperspeed time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I do remember one odd thing at the get-go, and you may not remember what I'm talking about. It seems like in the opening, and they're on the bridge, everyone's talking to each other really loud. It struck me like at the time, like, what are they doing and yelling at each other? I don't, I don't know what would have caused that or what, but... Maybe they're trying to talk over the loud insects. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was, wasn't there, in the early on, when Spock came to give his report, it was very um, loud and very technical... Um, I think that was early on in the episode in the in the tease. Oh yeah, when they're down when they're down the planet, yeah. And uh, I don't know what the deal was. There had to be something going on there, you know, where they're I don't know why that would be, or get where they were getting direction to say you're talking over something, and they just went with it because everyone does it. it it's this really stilted, odd delivery to their lines and that opening stuff. Uh, another thing I wrote down: fast woman says she must be fast because their males are sterile. <laughs> and I hate to tell her, but I don't think that will help. No, no, it doesn't, doesn't make any sense. The entire week of an eye conversation here is probably a little risque for our family-friendly rating. Should so. we put a disclaimer at the front of this one there? <laughs> uh, well, uh, what is this episode about? Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> um, you can't um, kill other people to preserve your life. I'm sorry. Can you elaborate? Well, I mean, it gets towards the end, you know, when he's trying to explain, you know, when Kirk is trying to explain to her that, you know, you can't, um, you know, just because you have the right to survive doesn't mean you have the right to um, harm other people to survive. True. Yeah. To propagate themselves, you can't, you know, just abduct people and do what you will just because you're having your own problems. Well, let's talk about the ending for a second, because I found it a little bit weird. It it doesn't seem like an ending, as far as mm-hmm. neither you know, episode, she, neither of these first two episodes, kind of had but, a but real conclusion. She's saying, you know, she's making that argument, and and you, he, to be like the other Star Trek episodes, you almost, you feel like his he's going to have a solution, right? But it does, but it doesn't. He doesn't, right? He's just saying, no, go back to your planet and and die. Is that kind of what yeah. he's saying? Like, and they do it. Going to have to uh-huh. die off. And then yeah, they just go. Yeah. It just I don't I don't I didn't understand why they didn't try that little formula on them and just bring them back to regular speed and you know it seemed like that would have been an easy fix like oh we found a cure here you go now you're normal again. Yeah, I had that. Kind of left I had that thought too. So was this like a darker? It it didn't feel like they were consciously being darker than usual as an ending to me. It it felt like in a mistake. It felt like an oversight. Like you know, that's how it came off. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. and I mean, really, one could argue this with the last episode, too. It's almost like, well, you know, this fills up the time. We don't really need to do anything else. Because it, there, there's, there's just there's no... It doesn't feel like... Yeah, I mean, and it's one thing... It's not like they all, all have to have happy endings. It'd be, it'd be great. It'd be something different, right? To not have a solution, and you know, and that's interesting and all that. But it's so... You know, because they they get sent down to the plant, and they all seem just hunky dory about it. Well, oh, okay, all right, we'll go, and you know, nothing really changed. Well, and, and it almost seems like Kirk doesn't care that their species mm-hmm. is going to die off. Yeah, yeah. 
even with Uhura showing the video, obviously because she somehow knows that he likes her and hey, let's look at her again or something, you know, and but he just kinda well there they go. Gonna die. Yeah, it's a weird ending. It's weirder than the than the first the mm-hmm. Plato stepchildren ending. It's very just kind of just yeah. There's no real conclusion to either of these episodes, which is strange because I mean you know all of all the episodes that we've talked about, I I was thinking about that in all of Trek era. I can't think of one episode that kind of ended like where it, it didn't seem like it had an ending, and here we've had kind of back to back. It's kind of strange. Um, mm-hmm. um, that's an odd um, occurrence, if you will. All right. Let's do six degrees for wink of an eye. Adam has one. Steve, are you going first or second? I'll go first. Name the Voyager episode. Oh, uh, these people don't. This these people never played the part again. So most of the rest of our questions today are not really six degrees. They're more general mm-hmm. questions. Sorry, great go. Okay, name the Voyager episode that nearly shares the same title as this one. Oh yeah, I think there's one called Blink of an Eye. You are correct. Adam, which regular character only appears in this episode via a shot recycled from another episode? Shot recycled from another episode. That should be a hint, because there there are two characters that frequently get their shots recycled. Ahura? I'm sorry. No. Steve? Uh, Chekhov? You're correct. It's Chekhov. Uh, yeah, so the, the, the shot where you see Chekhov and or Sulu's backs and okay. you see the view screen behind them, those are very frequently recycled. Okay. So sometimes you'll have an episode like this one where Chekhov isn't really in the episode, but we yeah, get the back of his head. Yeah, I don't even recall seeing him. <laughs> yeah. All right, so it is... Steve has two, Adam has one. Moving on. The Empath, Season 3, Episode 12, Production Code 063, Original Air Date, December 6th, 1968, Directed by John Ehrman, Written by Joyce Muscat, Music Composed by George Dunning, Guest Cast Include Catherine Hayes as Jim, Alan Bergman as Lal, Willard Sage as Than, Davis Roberts as Dr. Ozaba, Jason Wingreen as Dr. Linky, Richard Geary as Security Guard, William Blackburn as Lieutenant Hadley, and Roger Holloway as Lieutenant Limley. The Enterprise arrives at Marana 2 to recover research personnel as its star is about to go supernova. Kirk, Dr. McCoy, and Spock beam to the surface, but find the research station deserted and begin to search. While, Scott moves the, while Scotty moves the Enterprise to a safe distance to protect it from being bombarded by a solar flare. Landing party is suddenly transported into an underground chamber and encounter a beautiful mute woman who McCoy names Jim. Dr. McCoy's life is not solely dependent on Jim. The Vians, too, must be capable of saving his life. True. Then you cannot let him die. His death is not important. We must wait to see whether her instinct for self-sacrifice has become stronger than her instinct for self-preservation. The Empath. If people have been listening to our show for a while, you probably remember me referencing this episode quite a few times. Kind of generally, when I would talk about the third season, and I would say, I do remember there's a you know there's episodes like say the Empath. <laughs> you know, I, I just always kind of went back to this one as the in my mind example of one of the few good episodes from season three, an episode that's designed to be okay with a little small budget, a smaller budget. And I was a little worried that since I hadn't watched it in a while that maybe it wouldn't hold up. And I think maybe the lesser, just the tiniest bit duller than the last time I watched this. But still, I like this episode a lot. And I think it's pretty good. Uh, I think if it was in the first or second season, maybe it would be a little bit more lost in the shuffle. But I don't know about that necessarily. Story-wise and stuff, it would still seem pretty unique. Uh, performance and things. Um, but if they'd had more money to do this episode, I wonder if, kind of like Spectre of the Gun, you know, if, if maybe it would actually have made it a bit more vanilla and less interesting. And, and You know, meaning I think Spectre of the Gun benefits from the lower budget 
and, and I'm and I'm saying that the same I think is true for the empath, but but you know exactly as is maybe it still wouldn't be quite as good as as the average episode in the first couple seasons, so it helps it being in the third season and it stands out. But all that aside, I like this episode. I think this is a good episode. I think this is um, a striking episode. It suffers from things like you know being too long and you know some pacing issues stuff like that, but. I always remembered this one, and I think it's um, I think it's justified. Adam, how do you feel about the empath? Um, I liked it too. I mean, I think it's um, of the three that we've talked about today. It definitely has the best story, um, the best storyline, and probably the the best what it's about, what it's trying to say. Um, it's it's definitely the strongest out of the three that we we talk about today. Um, Visually, um, it's it's actually you know you talked about you know the you know the low budget and they didn't have a lot of money to do this, but um, visually it's very um, it's a very striking episode. I mean you have the black around you know when they're down in the dungeon. So I always remember this episode just um, visually. There's um, I don't know why just the way the way they look and the the way they decided to do it. Um, to be honest, um, when I first started watching, it kind of reminded me a little bit of the, you know, the cage. You know, you have these, um, you know, big-headed, bald creatures, and you know, they seem to have omnipotent power, and they've got a, you know, um, you know, a woman. You know, it's it, it kind of had hints of, of of that, but um, it, you know, it's obviously different. But it kind of reminded me a little bit of of the cage just in the, in the first ten, twenty minutes. Steve, your first thoughts on the empath? Yeah, I I agree. I I like it. Um, it do, it does feel slow sometimes, but I think it's definitely a good example of using what resources you had to do something constructive and to have something to say. And you know, um, it's interesting. I always it, it, I certainly always remember it. I also remember the music for somehow when I when when I picture some of the things, I hear that still in my head, and I remembered it even going into it for some reason. Um, yeah, so I, I, um, I, you know, if, if I get a whole series of this kind of stuff, it'd be really hard to make it fresh and interesting and go on. But when you have Mm -hmm. ever so often something like this pop up and you can do something different, um, yeah, I I like it. I think it's interesting. I like the, uh, shirtless hanging Kirk. Hmm. Um, I think I had one of those as an air freshener for my first car. (laughs) (laughs) Did it really did it freshen up your car? <laughs> yeah, that's kind of musty. Yeah, yeah right. Musty. Mm. But they didn't take McCoy's shirt off when they hung him up. I <laughs> yeah, yeah. How's that? I, What's up? I bet that? Shatner would have objected to that. <laughs> right. I'm the only one that takes his shirt off. Um, Nimoy once. Nimoy did it once. Supposedly, he said. I think Michelle said that on Plato's Plato stepchildren. That was it was supposed to be Spock kissing her, and, and Shatner said, "No, no, no, no." <laughs> Anybody's gonna kiss Michelle? It's me. Of course. The captain. It's a fun decision they give Kirk. You know. Mm-hmm. Dead a dead McCoy or an insane Spock? Please choose. Thanks. Yeah. It's, it's nice. And then at first McCoy is just kind of like he seems incompetent in his choice, and then he seems unethical. You know, it's like <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna go knocking everybody out until I get what I want. Two <laughs> <laughs> eight volunteering odd to say this, but it was sure is striking to see the titles over black at the beginning. Hmm. Yeah. That really yeah. stuck out to me, because I don't think they've ever done that before. Mm-hmm. But it's neat that, you know, it's a little, it's a small thing, but you definitely notice it, yeah. and it sets up the episode, right? Mm-hmm. The space. Yeah. I don't mean outer space, I mean... <laughs> Right, right, right. But yeah, the whole episode, it almost has this feel of like, like the experimental plays that yeah. In in college, you know, that that I worked on a little bit, stuff like that, those kinds of things. That's what it kind of feels like. Like, um, I'd agree. There's a definitely a lot of um, um, you know, obviously with the the woman who plays the empath, they're very Jim, very the it reminded me of of something theatrical, just the movements they were doing, and you know, it's almost it was almost like dance, a little bit. And you could almost do this entire episode. <laughs> with a basic theater setting, you know, and it's really rare in that way. I mean, except except for the, you know, the opening. Really, all you'd have is the, the the black space with a few props, and then um, when they're out in the wind swept 
dusty area or whatever, but that's all you'd have, all you need. Um, yeah, we were talking about the, you know, you know, we all, we like this, we didn't, haven't got into this yet about the story, you know, this is the story of, um, of a woman who's, they, these creatures are trying to teach her emotion, which is, you know, an empath, you know, and they're, they're using, they find, you know, Kirk, Spock, McCoy, who, you know, later on they say, exemplify the best of, um, life traits, you know, courage, honor, you know, empathy and all that kind of thing. And so they're trying to, what are they trying to just graft this on, these emotions onto her to see if she's capable of them. It's an, it's, yeah, it is definitely, the storyline's an interesting concept. Yeah, it, yeah, it's bizarre in that way, really, because in a, you, on one hand, you've got these, you know, they're, they practically, they torture people. I mean, it's like they're, they're doing things and they're perf- they're purposely injuring people they're torturing them to get a, you know, for their, to, an end, as an ends to their means, whatever. And at the same time, they're testing, you know, this representative of her, her species and, and also trying to educate her. And so it's, it's a really weird deal. You know, on one hand, some of the stuff you would, you would chalk up as, is despicable, you know, yeah. with the torture stuff. On the other hand, it's like, oh, you know, and they're trying to like, it's like, a, it's like a, it's a test and they're kind of like passing the, the cheat notes or whatever to her too, in a sense. It's, 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 it's interesting. Well, obviously you have Kirk there who sums it up best. You know, you guys aren't alive. You don't, you're not living. You're just pure, mm-hmm. pure logic or is that what he said? Pure logic or can you say pure logic? Just pure intellect is what he said. With no... well, you've lost the capacity to feel the emotions. You've brought Jem here to experience. Mm-hmm. You're not living. I like uh, I like the scene when it's kind of Spock and Kirk figuring out they must have known we'd be able to use this to escape, but let's instead use it to go to McCoy. Mm-hmm. It's a good scene. Yeah, no pressure. Uh, we're we're trying to teach you some stuff, and you know if we feel good about your <laughs> save your entire species. Yeah. Otherwise, right. I hope she didn't spend too long memorizing her lines for this. <laughs> uh, but she's she does a good job. Yeah. Uh, obviously, they must have cast her, you know, knowing she was gonna say nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she had great great facial expressions, great body movement, kind of just yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, I think the cool thing about this, it's, you know, you know, you don't get to the point to the end, but it's kind of a simple episode. It's not very complicated in what it's trying to do or what it's trying to say. There's not a whole lot going on. And yet it kind of still, I mean, yeah, it's, I mean, it might drag a little bit here and there, but it, the pace isn't, isn't like, say, wink of an eye bad. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's kind of, it's just a very simple story, a simple episode. So, I mean, I guess it's kind of, for you, those out there listening, I mean, don't, just because we don't have a lot to say about it doesn't mean we didn't like it or it's just it's it's just it's a simple episode a simple story and it, it turned out good well i think it's one of these two that i think one of the things that makes it that that makes it good is that it's it is about something but it's not about something that's just really simple nor is it so obvious in what it's about either i think it takes even though i do think it could be shorter hypothetically i think that it takes its time. It's a bit of a slow burn, and it's kind of like it's a revelation by the end when you see all the interactions, you know, and so on, and what transpires, and and that brings you to what it's about. And it's not just like, oh, I see what they're trying to do here. Let's see how well they pull off this morality play. You know, it's more like a contemplative, slow burn thing, you know, and I think Her that's good. process is not a quick one. No. Uh, she kind of goes back and forth near the end. Mm-hmm. There's a whole extra, you know, set of beats where she seems to stop. Well, that's kind of the twist there. You know, they've kind of set this episode up with her and Kirk. You know, they have this relation. You know, she's helped him. She helps him like at least twice. You know, to recover from his injuries. And then you know we have this whole you know twist where McCoy's going to be the one who is, you know. So it's it's kind of convoluted. You know, he let you know he Kirk gets mad at him for lying because he thought that they were going to let him go. And you know, so it has this weird twist you're not really sure what's going on right there in the second half of the episode and then it's McCoy who's the one that she has to say but she really hasn't had any kind of what's strange about it that's what was kind of strange about it to me there was no build there was no relationship between those two throughout the episode until the very end it was set up as um her and Kirk Mm -hmm. Um, so um 
that was kind of just the, the, the twist there at the end for me. And it didn't ruin it for me, but it was just, it was unusual that to me that they did, they went that way. Well, if that's true, it makes it even a more valid test, right? I mean, you, you know, who's not going to save someone you're really close to, you know, as hard as it would be to take on someone's injuries or pain in order to save someone's life, you're much more likely to do it with someone you have developed a relationship with than someone you barely know. So we're kind of talking what this episode is about as well, but just to be specific, what do you got for what it's about? Well, it's, it's about learning um, um, empathy for others. Um, you know, obviously, you know, which is funny because you would think an empath would already have empathy. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's right there, the name, right? Exactly. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what I got for it. You know, they're, you know, it's kind of, like I said, it's kind of convoluted how they get there. It doesn't ruin the episode for me, but I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, you get all that at the end of that. She is, they have to test the species. Of, I mean, you know, you'd think there'd be easier ways to figure out if, um, you know, a species has higher emotional empathic, you know, abilities, you know, to, you know, um, you know, you could just observe their society and see how they tr- treat each other. But this is the way that, you know, that would, that we wouldn't have an episode then, but yeah, that's what the episode is about. It's about empathy. Basically. Can you, can you, can you lay down your life for somebody else or can you save somebody even though it might cause harm or, or death to yourself for the greater good. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's interesting, you know, if you're, if you're really into, you've been in a trek this whole time and you hear the empath and you probably, your mind goes to, you know, Betazoids and Troy from Next Gen and this kind of thing. And you have, it, some of this is semantics in a way, right? Because they define her very early on as, by definition, an empath because she can feel what other people feel. Um, but, but at the same time, it's almost like a, um, it's almost like a, just a, just a a process, like a physiological trait more so than it's a choice to, to, to heal or whatever, right? Even though we see her do some basic healing stuff as the episode goes on. So in that sense, it's, it's, I think in a way what they're trying to say is empathy is an, is an active process. You know, we can all sit there and imagine what, life is like for someone in that's in pain or in trouble or something and it's for something very different to actively take on something to risk your own health and sanity and so on to make things better for somebody else you know and and that's the true test of character i suppose so for me that's kind of what they're trying to say see folks if you didn't like this episode before you should like it now <laughs> Let's do six degrees for the empath. I believe Steve has two, and Adam has one. Oy Steve, Mm -hmm. finish the quote from this episode. Some men spend the majority of their lives in mines beneath the surface. And then the doctor says, I'm a doctor, not a... Coal miner. Very good. Adam, this was one of the three main stars, and by that I mean... Um, Shatner, Nimoy, D. Kelly. This episode was one of the three main stars' favorite episodes of the original series. Which one of those three called this their favorite episode of the original series? The Forest? You are correct. So Steve takes it for the day, but just barely. 3-2, right? Yep. Uh, Real quick, did you guys watch the new trailer for Star Trek Discovery? Mm -hmm. I have not seen it yet, but um, all right, so forget you, Steve and I are going to talk about it just for a minute. <laughs> I thought this was a much better trailer than the last one. Well, I'd certainly hope so, because, because although while there were some interesting things to see in the last one, it was so nondescript, you know, it's just like effects, effects, and people, and things, you know, and until, you know, so in that sense, yeah, it's, it's better. It certainly made me more interested interested to see the show than the last one aside from the given that of course I'm excited about it because it's Star Trek and I wouldn't miss a second of it because it's Star Trek all that is yeah. uh, you know as a trailer this this made me more interested in the show than the last trailer mm-hmm. by far by far right. um, if it wasn't Star Trek this trailer would have been enough to get me interested in it mm-hmm. the last one maybe not yeah um, I'm still a little bit like 
the the ship that that we've seen in this trailer, and then definitely the last one, it's only the Shenzhou, right? It's not the Discovery, right? Am I wrong? I haven't read. I know there have been websites people have gone into detail, and I'm sure I can look this up, but I haven't read any of that yet. But I'm. It feels like all we've seen is the Shenzhou, which I assume is commanded by Michelle Yeoh's character. Mm-hmm. That's my understanding. Okay, so it that's kind of weird, right? The show premieres in less than two months, or about two months, and we haven't actually seen the ship in action. We've seen a couple of we, we like, like on the posters a little bit or something, right? But that's weird to me. Yeah, I don't know what they're trying to if they're trying to keep something under wraps, you know, in that way. This show has already had two trailers more than most TV shows get. <laughs> right, 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 right. It's time. Let me see the ship, man. Yeah, 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 true. Um, I'm, I'm kind of just wondering if, like, most of this trailer and all this is just from the pilot and, like, you know, maybe yeah. and the pilot's going to actually set the whole show up, which will really be the second episode, and then that's actually when they have the the discovery and you know that's kind of my Martin suspicion yeah yeah it's kind of my suspicion i'm excited though you know yeah. two months away i'm excited first new trek in 12 years yeah new tv <laughs> i mean yeah well adam go watch the trailer i will all right so you can follow us on facebook that that's facebook.com slash trek companion our twitter handle is at trek companion you can send us an email trek companion at gmail.com So thanks for spending an hour with us, and until next time, take it easy. Bye, guys. See ya. Stefan, I passed it.